I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep, the podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, an introduction, plus we watched Malcolm and Marie. Hello, Film Twitter. <laughs> yes, hello, Film Twitter. It's good to be here. Uh, we are excited to be talking about movies. Mitchell and I uh, both share, I think, a pretty uh, pretty healthy love of movies, um, and movies of all sorts and types. And we were just been talking recently and looking for an excuse to get together just the, just the two of us as brothers to be able to connect a little bit. And uh, why not start a podcast? Why not monetize on our connection <laughs> as brothers? Yes. So we're looking to connect as brothers. We're looking to invite you into that conversation as we uh, get into uh, movies, movies that we're watching, stuff that is coming out. We're trying to keep this uh, kind of current, um, things that are out there. But our premise is this movies while they sleep comes from this idea that Mitchell and I were both are married. Um, I'm married to Megan Mitchell. Uh, is married to Sarah, and we have we each have uh, have a son. And uh, our time to kind of watch movies on our own is is limited to after everybody goes to bed. Um, and so we are we we're kind of doing that, you know, maybe a couple times a week, watching movies after our families are asleep. And we wanted to build out some space to be able to talk about it. Yes, and especially this year, when these yeah. conversations are not able to be had in person. And, uh, yeah, mainly just looking for an excuse. I feel like it's easier to say I'm gonna, we're going to talk for two hours about a movie if I have some sort of project yeah. that it's, it's going towards. And whether or not that's healthy, I don't know. But it it's structurally works for my brain. And I'm excited to, like, like we both love movies and we like talking about them. Um, but I'm finding even after, we've, we've already recorded the first episode, but what I'm already liking about the podcast format yeah. is um, being forced to think about an art that I engage with uh, more deeply. Yeah. Uh, to think about how it's affecting my life or what I get out of it and, and, and appreciate it. And so I know if I got to talk about Malcolm and Marie, which we'll be talking about in this episode uh, for an hour and a half that I, I want to bring more to the table than, you know, I like to. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we're looking for ways to connect, connect with each other, connect with the kind of art and culture that we are already consuming and already engaging with mentally. And I think uh, kind of verbalizing a lot of these things, having conversations about it, and also just sharing in the experience uh, of another person is how, how they experienced, how they took it. Um, I think adds a lot to um, to that. And so that's why we're inviting you all to join us. Um, watch these movies or not, but engage with the conversation. Um yeah, and something I think we're both not so interested in is uh, the the movie podcast format of kind of trivia yeah. and behind the scenes and the more nitty gritty details about a movie, but uh, more about how it connects personally to our lives and making, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're probably not going to be ranking our favorite scenes in a movie or, you know, just kind of quoting uh, our favorite uh dialogue to each other uh, maybe some of that um but for for us <laughs> for us is really about how are these movies connecting with our lived experience day to day and the things that we are walking through the things that um, emotionally resonate with us and and just we want to be able to share that with each other and with you as you are listening um in on these conversations and and that's something that you know you may ask kind of why why movies why are we interested in this these things and and for me movies are these um uh, great vehicles of empathy um they're they're a way to engage with people that are different or experiences or stories or narratives that are different than what we live each day um but also then connect those things to our lives right now so i'm excited i'm excited for where these conversations take us. I'm excited to watch some movies uh, that maybe I wasn't planning on seeing um, and uh, sharing that with you all. Yeah. And part of why I think 
even starting the podcast this year right now. Uh, I know for me, a big part of why I watch movies is to be able to talk about it with people like you yeah. or friends and and even, you know, going to a theater and being around people and experience, having a shared experience. Yeah. And so this year, that aspect of movie watching is obviously lacking, which is a huge bummer. And so this feels like a fun way to try to get some of that back yeah. of, oh, man, it feels like people are watching it together and we're talking about it and connecting it to things. And and hopefully for the as people listen more that we hear from you and, and hear how it affected you and have that that sorely missed human connection and shared experience with a, a movie. Yeah. And, and the, the neat thing about this uh, platform that doing this as a podcast, you know, we may be sitting here, Mitchell and I in mid February of 2021 watching, you know, our first episode, Malcolm and Marie, but you could be listening to this six months from now, um, watching the same movie and then engaging in this conversation. And, and so it really kind of creates a kind of a, a just a space for that to happen. Um, that is not the same as sitting across from a table from, from, from another person and talking about or sitting in a crowded movie theater. Um, but, but hopefully gets at some of those, uh, the, the, those, those longings and uh, maybe scratching that itch that we feel as we've been now almost a year without really being able to participate in these things uh, in, in person, at least. Well, as we jump in, just to give people some context, Matthew, what, what's, who, who are you and, and why do you like movies? How'd you get into movies, movie watching? I am Matthew. I live in Sacramento. I'm a local pastor here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I think about how I got into movies. I have a lot of early memories of, you know, kind of the typical 90s movie stuff, a lot of Star Wars in our childhood, um, and all that was meaningful. But I remember growing up in church, and my youth pastor was someone that was really passionate about film as well and shared that with us. And for me as a young person, really exploring my faith and culture and how those things collide for me it was really important to almost feel like i had that permission from someone i looked up to someone who was an adult um that it was okay that that movies were okay and there's there's not there's nothing scary about them you know there's certain movies i don't want to watch or that kind of thing but you know in some christian circles and some circles of faith you know movies are almost forbidden you know we certainly don't go to the movie theater but um, you know, I really kind of felt this release and this freedom and I studied film in undergrad. And so I have a, a, a bachelor's degree in, in film studies from the University of California, Davis, where we get to watch a lot of movies. We did not make them. People always ask, so oh, did you make some cool student films? No, 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 no. We watched a lot of movies um, and we talked about them and we wrote about them. And so I have a, some practice in this. Podcasts in the making. Exactly. I have some pra- practice in this, but I really miss kind of exercising some of those muscles. I developed them, um, you know, nearly 10 years ago now. And uh, but again, I mean, I, I kind of bring up my my vocation as a pastor and, and my faith, because for me, film is a way as, as an art is a way to engage in some of those issues that some of my favorite movies um, truly um are ones that uh, really consider questions about humanity and faith and um, and and relationship and things that we that we do deal with in in everyday life and in ministry and the church and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I love movies. What about you, Mitchell? You know, I've been thinking about this lately. That it's kind of it, it, asking me why I like movies is similar to asking me like, how how are you doing today? Um, <laughs> And most of the time, my answer, especially this year, but past this year, is I don't, I don't really know. Um, I, I think I'm not great at knowing what's going on with me internally. Like, oh, I'm really just sitting with myself, connected to my heart, connected with how I'm feeling. Um, you know, a day looks like waking up, you know, get, getting breakfast ready for my son and then heading to work, which is the room over, and I do graphic design work. But while I'm while I'm working, I'm listening to a podcast or music, and then meals, and then more podcasts and music, and then bedtime, and then watching a movie or or watching a TV show, bed. So it feels like a lot of my day is just stuffed with distraction, and yeah. it's it's hard to slow down and and feel for a bit. And so movies are a similar thing. Someone's like, I, I know I love them and I spend a lot of time consuming them. Um, 
and I, I think I'd want to figure out why I'm so drawn to them. And part, part, part of why we're doing this and having these conversations and why we've always had these conversations is to draw that out. Yeah. Like, oh, why, why do I find so much value in sitting down with this thing? Mm. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I, don't, I know I do, but I want to, I want to explore that more. Like why, why that means so much to me. But I mean, connecting that, I can talk about some of my earliest movie memories, which you shared a bit, you know, 90s Star Wars goodness. But uh, one of my first memories is, I think I was in middle school, you were in high school. Yeah. Um, this is when I first visceral, like, oh man, movies can do something special yes. and i also remember feeling like oh th- this feels like something that someone hasn't seen before mm. and like i'm in the club that saw this movie and um i'm talking about no country for old men and just have this childhood memory of us watching that together and 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 just being blown away by what a movie could do yeah because i i wasn't used to uh the quality that that movie has no, it, and it's such a good I, I have that memory too of being you know 16 or 17 whenever that movie came out and like going to our local best buy uh and buying the dvd of no country for old men because i had a couple of you know we had some christmas move money or something and i had not i knew nothing about that movie i bought that dvd sight unseen i didn't know who the coen brothers were i knew that it was getting awards that meant it was important and valuable which you know, and I'm curious too. How did you know that? What like, because back in the, I mean, yeah, what, that's late. Like late. That was 2007. Or, so yeah. Like, what resources were you plugged into at that time as a high schooler? That's even aware. Of I, you know, I what, what's hot. Right I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I've other than watching a lot of David Letterman and Conan, uh, <laughs> late night Conan it, yeah. was it. <laughs> was everything. I, I, I don't know, but I knew that it was. And I, I yeah. that was something I do remember even earlier than that, um, tracking awards kind of stuff. It's it really limited to the Academy Awards and and always being like, these are important movies. And then it was like, Chicago wins Best Picture. And I'm like, I'm not interested in this because I'm 10 years old. Um, and I saw that on a plane <laughs> to Hawaii. But, but No Country for Old Men, it was just, you know, best picture nominee or whatever and so i i picked that thing up and i i watched it and it, i for me it was one of those it was this is the first best picture winning movie that is an adult film you know uh, return of the king had won a couple years before and that was oh yeah we were all into that but this was an adult drama that won best picture that i watched and at least connected with and and at least really like oh i love this this is so great and for me it was like this this moment of like Oh, oh, there's this whole world out here. Movies are more than superhero stuff and Star Wars and kids stuff. Um, and and I and I remember one of probably the first piece of trivia that I heard about No Country for Old Men. It was pointed out to me that there was no soundtrack or score in the movie. There's no music in the film. And that just blew my mind. Oh my gosh! Whoa. You're like they made a choice. Whoa, that is so cool. <laughs> and I didn't know why. I didn't know why I thought that was cool or anything back then. And, and, well, it's fun to know that. But it was felt and, fun to know that exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I've spent the last 15 years trying to figure out why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know I've already touched this, touched on this with the intro, but most of my early movie memories are surrounded around the context of people yes and and you know like us watching that and or we, we'd watch a lot of movies with our next door neighbors yeah. childhood best friends like late at night but it was something to gather around to to experience with people and i think that's also part of why i'm i'm so interested in them as a art form to do that yes and, and i would say about those you know i have a lot of those memories too those fridays and saturday nights watching movies next door and and it was funny because I had this. There was certainly a feeling like when we went to pick a movie that we oh. that, that it, well, first of all it was a nightmare because no one could agree. But and it was before Netflix, <laughs> so even so we just had stacks of DVDs and people were throwing stuff at each other. But uh, what I remember was there was certainly a feeling of we are kind of going to move through the canon of what's important, what is valuable. So I have this memory of watching Schindler's List. As probably a junior in high school on a Friday night with a group of friends, which is like weird to think about that now. <laughs> think about juniors in high school now making TikTok. 
<laughs> but like Schindler's List is important, so we're gonna watch it, guys, and that's what we're doing tonight. And and I love that movie, but uh, there was this feeling that this this art form, this filmmaking, um, is is really important in our culture. That we have a as a culture, we place a high value on it, and I think that's still true today. You know, I think a lot about um, the the last Avengers movie, Endgame, just made so much money you know what percent some high high percentage of american people went and saw that movie when it was in theaters and so yeah it's, these are these are valuable things because we all engage with them and this is how we connect with each other and the stories that we're telling and so for us as, as teenagers to seek out what are the stories that are important in for for us as a culture as a society as a country and and i wanted to be in on it i wanted to be in on plugged in i wanted to be plugged in and and i still get that feeling i still you know oh this is a new movie coming out this weekend i want to i want to make sure i find the time to see it and i want to be a part of the conversation whether i'm engaging in it or not yeah and i think that's part of why we're doing the pod yeah because it feels like a uh, a reason to stay plugged in stay talking about stuff that we care about yeah so this week, movies while they sleep. What did we watch? We watched Malcolm and Marie, the new, uh, recently just about a week ago Netflix original film starring John David Washington and Zendaya, and directed and written by Sam Levinson of Euphoria fame. Of Euphoria, but yeah, Malcolm Marie is an interesting movie. Um, we'll just kind of summarize the plot here really quickly before we cut to our conversation but yeah it's a it's just kind of a a, a single night uh, a filmmaker and his girlfriend long-term girlfriend coming back from a big hollywood event and they get into a fight and the whole movie takes place over one night and track tracks their their fight the whole time um and it was it was made during covid so mm -hmm. some of the limitations of the movie are results of that yeah yeah so so this was a one of the first films that production got together during covid and quarantine and all of that um super small crew only two actors in the whole thing and they just um did this whole thing in a couple of weeks um with all of the you know restrictions and safety precautions and everything but um yeah i mean you'll hear our conversation um about malcolm and marie but i think it's a movie we both enjoyed to a certain extent and uh, I think makes for a good conversation here on Movies While They Sleep. Let's do it. I want to find a way to connect the art that I'm experiencing deeper in my life while also getting closer with my brother about that art. And therefore our lives, because that's what good art is. That's what I'm finding, like, uh, like today when I was thinking about the movie... When I was thinking about Marley, Marley, I, I keep calling it Marley and me. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I also called it Malcolm and Romy for some reason. But what, as I was thinking about Malcolm like and Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Exactly. When I was thinking about <laughs> Malcolm and Marie, Marie, and <laughs> hey, hey Marie, uh, I, I, I don't think I would think about it as much if I knew we weren't going to talk about it. Sure. Today. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and. I'm trying to figure out what I actually think about things. And, See, and this is I a was, good test ground for that. Yeah. I, I was watching the movie and trying to be careful not to overthink or or read too much into for the sake of content yeah, do in you, the conversation. Do you think already a little bit it's kind of like um, a pressure or a bummer, this podcast, of ugh, I don't feel the just relaxation of watching a movie? I felt that a little bit as like this weekend was starting, but then as I watched the movie, I kind of forgot about it. When I was watching the movie, I did not feel that. Yeah. Um, I felt very comfortable being bored at some parts. I felt very comfortable being really engaged in some parts. Like, I, I don't think me knowing I was going to record this conversation changed the way that I was uh, trying to watch the movie or any guilt that I was mm. feeling about even how I was um, experiencing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's what because, is interesting about this movie. Just yes. e even in what you just said, because I was like, there are some scenes I'm like, this is an Oscar worthy performance right now in this scene. Yeah. And then there are some scenes where I'm like, God, this is, can we please move on? 
you yeah. know, like there's high highs, low lows. Well, and upon reflection, I don't, this is, I mean, we can get into this. I think it's good to hash out just some of our points here, but I, I couldn't, I could maybe name some of the scenes, but the film lacks so much um, clear structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get what they're doing. I mean, it's I like monologue that, after monologue. I imagine at one point a, a much more highly stylized film in which, you know, like a, like if Tarantino wanted to do a bottle movie marriage fight, it would start with like a, you know, a boxing bell, ring, ring, ding, ding, round one title card. And we get the first, you know, piece of the fight. And then they go back to their corners er- and then, you know, there's just more clear structure to it. Because we need that because it's in a house for the whole two hours. Yeah. Y- yes. Because, yeah. and they, and he does that by moving them throughout the house and each scene takes place, in, you know, in these kind of different rooms and, and there, there is essentially kind of clear setups to what he's doing, but it's not that, oh, they argue about this here and then they do this here and then it's here. It's like this kind of monster keeps just doing the same things to her over and over. Yeah. I, I thinking about that too, I thought for a second that it was every time she went for a smoke break felt like a first act and then a yes. second act and like okay yeah. maybe that's a, a good rhythm but i think the th- i think really the third piece of this movie the third uh the third last third of it i i start it started to lose me where i was like oh this is gonna be the same thing you yeah know? yes it this it's just kind of repetition of cycles and it's this weird thing where that feels in a lot of ways true to life yes <laughs> yes sorry keep going like I recognize like the exhaustion on the face of these people where it's like we actually probably shouldn't be fighting anymore, but we're gonna persist in this or the or that we need to take a break, but I'm not gonna dare go to sleep on this person because what is that gonna say? So I'm gonna go outside and take a smoke or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, when I saw this as some criticism of the movie and actually Malcolm, talks about this in the in his dialogue about his film um, but some of the criticism is that like none of these mon- none of the monologues themselves none of the words themselves actually feel true to life so maybe the repetitious you know cyclical fight feels real but the monologuing feels too like this polished you know hollywood mm. movie thing and and i was actually really intrigued by that and that and the thing that malcolm says in the movie is people don't want authenticity they want some they they want I don't know what the line is, but he talks about that. He, they, they want something bigger or more, um, something beyond reality. Mm. Um, and I think that the, I heard the director talk about that too. That he, idea. he says that, yeah. which as soon as if you, I'm assuming you've never watched Euphoria. No. So as soon as he said that, that just kind of crystallized to me what Euphoria is supposed to be, which is... Oh, everything about this is heightened. Everything that these kids are doing, everything that they're saying, everything the, the, everything is absolutely heightened. And Euphoria is a weird thing because it is heightened to a point but never feels like a soap opera, which is like a soap feels like that heightened reality kind of thing. Um, but as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what you do. It'll be interesting to see this in a marriage fight over one night movie, which at times works and at times doesn't. Yeah, I felt, at, for the most part, it didn't work because I was talking to Sarah about this too. She's like, "But that's it." Felt so real, like that's how a fight is, you know? Yeah. But it it, it it it's like sure that's how it is, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily engrossed by this, like like the cyclical nature of it. I'm like, that's a cool yes. idea, but it's I'm I'm not. It's not very entertaining to watch for yeah. two hours. No. No, I, I was thankful the movie was under two hours. Yeah, like I, I mean, I obviously am comparing it to Virginia Wolf or Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, and like why did I like one a lot and this one okay? Mm-hmm. But I felt like there there were some moments in this movie where oh I feel like so close to getting to something actually really personal and personable with these characters. And then they'd like snap out it and another thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, why don't there's a, it's like, why, why are you not able to just sit with that tenderness 
and then and then go somewhere. It's like, all right, boxing gloves back on. Let's let's keep going. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. th- this feels like I didn't get anywhere at the end. Yeah, you know, because it felt like the same rhythm for each fight. It's like, oh yeah, he's kind of in the wrong. He's he apologizes. All right, he's kind of in the wrong. He says thank you. But it just feels the same short story three times. Uh, if the movie had ended with him eating mac and cheese at the table like a psychopath. Oh, how great was that? <laughs> I would have said, this is an excellent short film on a fight in a marriage. Because I think that's the end of the first fight. Yeah. Um, Which is and, so great. Yeah, I know. And it is. Uh, he's like funny. 30, 30, he is a he's funny great. actor. That I think she's really good, um, and she's I, she has this kind of a lightness to her, or a, a, a an a uninterested quality. Yeah, an uninterested quality that she brings into a lot of what she does. Um, that that I actually think really works. Yeah, if it ended there, I would have said this is an excellent short film. And actually, what's wrong with that? Why can't we just have a short film? Hmm. Like, why does this need to be two and a half, two hours long? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he, it was way overwritten. Um, he didn't yeah. have enough, well, he didn't have enough to say to fill two hours. Yeah. I think it would have been great. 20, a tight 20, a tight, yeah. a tight stand up set because the, the, the other thing that was driving me crazy about it is I was agreeing with a lot of the ideas about criticism. Like one of the best parts to me is him saying, you know, Oh, if he's black and he, like engages with this trope he's subverting it but if he he was white then he falls prey to it and it's like oh that's such a perfect summation and and his quote there is the he says the the critic always is making it about race because it's convenient to do so Mm. um so there's there's moments like that i'm like yes i this is this is putting perfect language to the twitter verse you know but then he gets so far into it that it feels like I'm not able to uh, criticize the movie I'm watching. Like that, the problem with meta stuff sometimes yeah. it's like, oh, I so I can't even touch this because you're 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 saying how invalid a critic's thoughts yeah. or ideas are. So I'm like, ah, this movie doesn't work for me. Is that okay? And and even and even for Sam Levinson to write a movie, him being white, casting his you know, his leads as two black actors and making it a filmmaker who's making kind of quote unquote black, a black movie, whether or not it's intentional in his first film, but he, and she, she kind of makes fun of him for it. It's he's doing the Angela Davis biopic. So he's doing a black movie. Mm. And then how do then, how do, how does then, how do then we engage with Malcolm and Marie as a film and comment on any of this with the like extra layer of confusion that actually, it's just written by a white guy, right? But he's made it about race he, without he's, making it about race. Yeah, he says you're not allowed to talk about that. You're, you're not allowed exactly. to include that. It's like who says? Yeah. And I, you know, I, it, I think there was a really, inter- the really interesting comment of like, why black and white? And he's like, there are no black people in black and white movies. And I wanted to take that back, and I wanted to center black people in the glamour of old Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, I mean, success, like. Mm. Because if yeah, anything, it is funny he said that. Like, I immediately think Spike Lee. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, but the fact that I can only think of Spike Lee. Well, yeah, and I think it's like people have done it in in modern times, mm. but I think he's hearkening back to kind of a 50s and 60s. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes, and and that you you just don't see the kind of love affair of black actors on screen in that. And I'm like, oh yeah, and great success because this movie is absolutely gorgeous yeah yeah one of my favorite i don't know if we want to do favorite scene or favorite shot but my favorite shot because it is the shot but it's also seen is that opening long uh oh it's incredible well the reason i loved it is because i thought i was going crazy for a second because i'm seeing her smoke and then it it follows him dance and, and rant down the hallway like it's it's shot from outside and then it goes back she's smoking and he's saying the same things over and over about 
you know, the LA Times writer or, or I don't know if it was the LA Times writer at that point, but he was kind of on a tirade and he was saying, yeah, he's talking about the people he had, the LA Times writer in particular, he had talked to her at the premiere. Yeah. And for a moment I was like, wait, did they just loop the exact same back and forth of him walking and her smoking? Like this looks like the exact same. And then I was like, oh, is this, I know this was shot during quarantine, during COVID. Yeah. I'm like, oh, are they going to kind of comments on the groundhog day effect mm. of this year and yeah and i've been feeling that a lot lately just because we are a year into it and we, we've been taking it more seriously that i'm like man every day just bleeds into the next day i i i need mm. something to look forward to that is different yeah because we just don't do anything yeah. you know so i was like oh this is a a nice little trying to and obviously commenting on the nature of an argument too of not getting anywhere and just repeating it and i just want to clarify you're talking about the dolly shot from outside back and forth across basically the yeah main view it's in the, the first house. like 10 minutes yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 absolutely beautiful beautiful stuff yeah that i mean yeah that was probably my favorite when i think there's other really beautiful shots but that one yeah like made me feel something yeah you know, I, I, I'll share my favorite shot in a second because it connects to that. And But I want to tell you why I loved that. And I loved it for very different reasons. Okay. Because I, uh, for, for me, and I don't know if this was intentional in any way, shape, or form, but it's such a choice to put the camera outside of the house. It's such a mm. choice to put the camera outside looking in through these, you know, big floor-to-ceiling windows. Um, and there is this separation and it being kind of this creepy house at night. I mean, the first shot of the movie is Very parasite is the, house. Very, very parasite. It just kind of had this feeling of like a claustrophobic... Uh, uh, this could turn into a slasher movie at any second. Isolated isolation whose point of view are 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 we seeing here and obviously there's no serial killer on the loose outside of the house but it it kind of evokes that that's you know that there is this dread creeping or in or looking in into this relationship from the outside and almost some some of the shots really felt like they were trying to evoke um something of a horror film and then and then throughout the film i I don't again i don't know this is intentional this kind of thing continues there's there's this uh use of this knife in it's very very dramatic ways where first it's just about her preparing the macaroni and cheese the and butter cut giant butcher knife to cut you know the couple tablespoons of butter you know and it's just very dramatic and she's you know holding onto this knife and then of course that shows up later when she takes it and she's trying to demonstrate her ability to perform and inhabit the role of this um, addict that he has in his movie um and and there's just kind of this feeling of um dread of of horror that is just kind of always ever present on the surface of what's happening which is really it's a drama about a a marriage but there were moments where like this could be a horror film Mm. and my favorite shot is later in the movie i can't remember exactly it must have been after they had had a first fight or something. Marie disappears. Do you remember what what was the context of that? Marie, yeah, he he's lost her. It, it, so again, it's the end of, of one of the battles. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think it's the end of the first one. Um, Marie disappears. He is freaking out, like shouting, shouting, shouting. He's you know leaves the house, is walking around, and again, it's like at any moment this this could tip into mm. some Alfred Hitchcock horror horror thing and, and hitchcock's a good example because it kind of evokes this the black and white of psycho and i'm just gonna knife say the knife of yes. psycho the callback to vintage hollywood yes and then there is this shot where malcolm has gone back into the house and it's the shot over of, his shoulder no no this is the it's a it's a shot of probably from the from the house up this hill and you see the silhouette of this big tree mm. and there are these it's backlit which with this really unnatural light um so because it's you know yes. it's the middle of the night there would be no light really there and it silhouettes the tree and then marie like inexplicably emerges from the behind the tree still in this you know, it, it, incredible dress and it didn't even look like from behind the tree it looked like from the tree yeah yes yeah. yeah it doesn't look like you see her come out from around it. she just emerges from the silhouette of the tree like just this 
absolute ominous shadow coming down to descend on the house again. It's scary. It, it is a scary shot. And I don't know. And for a moment, I'm like, well, why is this here? Because this feels so much more like Norman Bates in the motel and than, than anything. Um, but but I, I think it is that kind of... It, it, he's trying to evoke some of these other things, the dread and horror of um, other kind of filmmaking to because she's descending on this house to have another fight. I mean, that's that's what it is. This is she's ready for round 2. And even and... right before that happens, he's back in the house and the camera's following really closely behind him and kind of over his shoulder and mm-hmm. it it feels exactly like every horror movie where the him and the camera are going to yes. turn and there's going to be a jump scare yes. of her right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and so it's just I mean it was just this kind of very very strange beautiful kind of shocking shot and kind of towards the beginning i just loved it and to me it really set the stage of this of the horror of uh, the dissolution of this marriage and 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 when i and then when i thought about um the movie in that context um for the rest of the time it really actually probably helped the movie for me that oh this is kind of a horror thing i mean Mm. I don't know. I, I could say yeah. more about it, and I don't know if it if it's right or I'm over-reading no, or no, over-reaching. No, no. But. I like that take because all the the stuff outside, and specifically the shot you're talking about, I really liked, too. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. And I like yeah. what I like about this is, or that take, is because I, I felt the unease that you're talking about, but I didn't connect it to this potentially being a horror, you know, mm. Yeah, take or you're or, meant or, to feel the unease. Yeah, I feel the unease, but like that that framing of of terror, you know. Yeah, and so yeah, because I there's so many shots that I liked. Like obviously the last shot is beautiful of them outside the window. Like it's the, yes. it's in the bedroom, but it's shooting them. They're both outside. Yeah. But I there's some of those shots. I'm like I visually, I'm like this is amazing. I love seeing this. I love really dramatic contrast of shadows and light it reminds me of night of the hunter a lot in its style but yes but high contrast very unnatural yeah uh, you, you know they're they're constructing this the shadows uh, are crazy yeah, the shadows everything yeah but i i wasn't feeling a lot like oh I, like this is just beautiful i know that but i'm not yeah connecting it or feeling much so yeah, I like I like I like when someone gives me language for what I was feeling because yeah, I'm like seeing yeah. her c- almost come straight to the camera. I'm like I'm uncomfortable, but I don't know why. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting too because I think that you know we we don't have to talk too much longer about the the horror connections or aspects to it, but it reminded me of The Strangers. Have you seen The Strangers? It's a Liv Tyler movie. Yes. And it's two people in a house. Puccinelli's and- house. <laughs> <sighs> absolutely that was that was a, right that was a tough walk home that night uh, yeah and it was just next door still uh, tough i i know it uh it, it reminded me of that this kind of isolated house out there but then you have you know, have scenes of her like the scene of her um in the bathtub um just feels like that's you know, again, that's a kind of a trope or, or, or iconography of a lot of horror, the, the dread of what's just below the surface. And yeah. our brains um, have been trained to like mm-hmm. expect something here. There's kind of an element here where he's, he's, he's using images and icons where you, you know, there's no reason that the plot demands it be this creepy house in Malibu on the, in the middle of nowhere. Um, they explain it in the plot so they can do it, but it, why is it not just in their apartment or in their house in a suburb in LA or something? Um, it, you know, the, the setting is so evocative and, and that I was really, that I really appreciate it even as it was challenging. Yeah. That bathroom scene and something else. That was the scene I was talking about where I felt at some parts in this movie, I'm like, this is, this is Oscar moment right here. Yeah. Cause when he is crying saying how much he loves her after he just, eviscerates yeah to use his word yeah i was like oh that that he is taking me on a journey here and it was one of the few times where when he was saying you're my girl i love you 
I, I actually felt it because before, mm. like in a real fight, you kind of just say the thing that the person wants you to say to like be done with the fight. Like when he's like, "All right, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't." I, oh, I I love that you brought this up because there's this other moment where he's yelling at her, "I didn't cheat on you. I didn't cheat on you." And do you remember what she can, what she repeats back at him? She says, "I didn't ask. I didn't ask. Mm. I didn't ask." And it's that he's like trying to get out ahead of this accusation yeah of i didn't cheat on you i didn't cheat on you marie and she's like i i didn't ever not trust you so that's, that's, that's not what we're talking about that's not what we're arguing about and and it's that he's he's just trying to say the right thing because she he thinks she needs to hear that yes and, which and, is most of the movie she, he's trying to like can we just yes. get back to celebration can we get back to you know calm yeah um but so for so, which is, I think it's really hard to do for in that moment to, oh, I actually believe he's, he's tearing up with his love for her despite, the, yeah. despite the agony they're putting each other through. What did you overall, like, walk me through your letterbox rating? That My could, three and a half stars. Yeah, that could be a nice thing for us, a nice trope for us is say our letterbox rating and talk about okay, it. Okay, yeah, this is good. It's going to be funny because there's nothing scientific about it. I think some, some oh, people very, get yeah. very... And know. I change it by the day, too. Yeah. Like, I originally put this at three, but then I, I bumped it up. Yeah, so f- for me, I gave this a three and a half stars out of five, and that is based on the fact that I I like this movie. I think it works on a lot of levels. I think it has some problems, um, and I enjoyed it. Um, so I think it was like a better than average movie, and I think three stars right in the middle is average um what was your i I didn't what was your biggest problem with the movie uh lack of structure um my my biggest problem was uh, i don't need a plot that goes somewhere if the movie is just a this is a night and this is what we're doing and, and we're just hanging here um you know i think of like one night in miami i don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it yet there's not a strong driving plot in there i think i think she tries to give it something at the end that i works but the movie was so unbelievably enjoyable just to hang with these four guys for it was one entertaining it was entertaining from start to finish yeah. um you know and so i i was not um i wasn't i wasn't bothered um uh, you know by the by the kind of lack of plot there but in this movie there's there's just a lack of structure and so i think some structure to hold on to to grab onto throughout would have helped mm. um i don't know what that i don't know what that could look like and and again I mean, we talked about this but the the realism of the repetition doesn't serve the movie well uh, yes yes that, that's that's yeah. my crux for this is that sense yeah. right there the realism of this fight does not actually make a great or entertaining movie yeah a great i thought it was good not great yes yeah yeah, yeah. um you you gave it three and a half stars too yeah you know it's funny well i was watching it halfway through i'm like this is four stars easy yeah and then it kept going i'm like okay let's go three and a half and then it ended and i'm like i felt like the the content of the fight wasn't interesting enough to warrant this whole movie yeah, and and that's why I wouldn't want to watch it again anytime soon. Like, f- for some reason, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? I could watch that once a year, yeah, and like be stoked to watch it. But and I don't want to just compare this to that movie, although they are similar. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it didn't feel like I learned that much about the characters in the end. Like even her journey about you know being a drug addict and and mm-hmm. and rehab and him being like i i that felt very phoned in to me yeah it, it, it's i didn't feel the emotion of that sure that pain um, that pain and that like you know that that struggle or journey or whatever it just felt like that was invented to justify a fight for a couple hours yes you know i thought about i thought a lot about marriage story as i watched this right Marriage Story is a much different movie. Uh, Marriage Story deals with the structures around divorce, the the the, the you know lawyers and all the the kind of legal proceedings of that. But but it's also, I mean, there's big fights in that. And the fight scene in Marriage Story in his sad dad apartment, the climactic kind of fight between them in Marriage Story where they finally get to fight because that's that's the other thing of it too is that uh, Malcolm and Marie they they 
I guess they might fight like this all the time. And it's a uh, pot that's boiling over the entire movie. Yes. But marriage story is like, here's this one explosive moment that was earned. And, and I would say in that, and, and it has to be, it has to be written uh, so tightly in marriage story because it is just one scene. And so you, they don't get two hours to just fight and hash that out, hash everything out or whatever. But in marriage story, you have this fight and it's like every line of dialogue is packed with meaning and weight behind it there is not a wasted word in this i don't know seven eight minute stretch of the film and you feel every single bit of it where in this movie there's tons that just is there it's just kind of extra fat that could be cut and again i liked the movie i thought it was really enjoyed it but um, that's kind of for me what kept it from being something better because you you yeah. can tighten this up and it's going to be better it's going to be better just by doing that. Um, yeah. Like, there's lots of moments where I'm thinking, man, these actors are great. I'm not interested in what they're saying at all. If anything, yes. it's kind of annoying. But, man, these actors are great. And there is stuff that I really responded to, even as in, in the fighting. I mean, I think you can tell this is written by a guy who has fought with his wife. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, and there is stuff that feels even very specific. Mm-hmm. This is early in the movie. I just, this, I just felt so like wh- what a great observation here. Um, Marie doesn't get along with the star of Malcolm's movie, and Marie's just very honest about it. I don't like her, and I'm not interested in being nice to her, mm. and I, I just don't care. And uh, and and Malcolm says, well, she notices that, and she doesn't like it. Mm. Now, what he should do is not start accusing his girl based on what this other woman is thinking. He's he's trying to change her. He's trying to change Marie's behavior. He's trying to say, hey, my my lead notices what you do, and it mm. would be better for me if you acted better with her. Instead of Marie's just doesn't like the woman. It's not gonna it's not gonna do it. And or, or even hearing like, oh, what's, why? Yeah, what's going on yes. with that? Tell me more about what you're feeling. He only views it as how it affects him. How it affects him and using using the way his actress feels to change or control Marie's behavior. Yeah, you can picture that conversation. Maybe not in that extreme, but it, it's kind of like after you've gone to a dinner party, which, yeah. which uh, you know, if those still exist, uh, yeah. who knows? And you're like, oh man, that interaction bothered me when this happened with this friend and and the and i you know you bring that up to your spouse because yes. you're like i know for me it's like oh i felt like this person was projecting this or felt a certain way about how you said that or it made me uncomfortable i don't know i'm trying to take the temperature in the room constantly and and yeah. and smooth things out but at this it's like oh sarah could have been really bothered or frustrated or yeah is her own person <laughs> Yeah. But it just reminded me of going, of leaving a dinner party with friends and being like, huh, this, this moment did not feel good. Or, or, or conversations I've had with my wife and where I've said to Megan after events or something, hey, I was okay with this person, right? Like I, it, or, mm. or it, it wasn't, it wasn't obvious that I was trying to be rude or something. Was like, this weird? Yeah. Was this moment weird? Like. You know, I think those are healthy things that happen in in relationships. But then to to kind of bring it in and deploy it during a fight mm. is like the unfair thing that Malcolm does. That just felt oh, that's that's really specific. And and he's projecting what he's actually feeling because he doesn't Precisely. know what the actress is feeling about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she, he says she notices, but it's like you know, are we you're, really? You're the to only that? one that would notice when your wife's in a bad mood, like subtly. Yeah. I I know a part a thing I. I wanted to bring up, but I thought I was gonna have a different point. Anyway, what I'll say: him being interested in the yeah hyperrealism or exaggeration of real life. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of the movie that that happens is when they just start growling at each other at <laughs> <laughs> like an especially heightened part, and they have no words. They're just rrr, rrr. it's like ah, oh, that is that's fun. <laughs> That's a fun part of this. But, okay, so here's what I was going to say. Are, are like, you trying to say that you've never experienced that? <laughs> you know, 
I don't air my dirty laundry out in on a podcast for the world to hear. But it like my problem with the movie is I loved that moment so much, mm-hmm. and so if he is so interested in that exaggerated reality, I I I wanted more of that, I guess. Or I wanted it in a different way than just a bunch of long monologues. There's almost this self-contradiction of the movie where half the time he wants to live in this hyper-realistic, this is how a fight would happen. Or no, this is how a fight would feel. Yes. Because that's what even Malcolm argues for is that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a dolly or a steady cam, you dumb writer. It's like, what are you feeling? That's art, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I didn't feel that much from this. Yeah. And so... And, and actually kind of, you know, because the, he wants to ground the movie in some reality of what a fight looks and feels like. But but in order to, for the viewer to feel it, it actually needs to be heightened up to a level beyond even what's in the movie. And mm-hmm. and that scene is effective in, in getting that across. Yeah, that scene's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that, that, that's when they're outside. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, F you, F you, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going crazy he's got a lot of moments like that he's like like dancing in the weeds with frustration which, yeah. is, which is fun to watch but that the, i liked those moments of, yeah. of uh, i don't i don't think he was looking for her i think he was getting revved up again for another fight or trying to think of what he's going to say next so he's just out in this field that's oddly lit like you mentioned before and he's just like punching the air and and kicking some dirt around and and doing like a zombie werewolf walk through the yeah. night and i'm like this is fun this is fun this is cool to see it's breaking up like the cycles of this thing but it's like oh if this could have been more normal in this movie i don't know maybe it'd be more interesting you're saying if the if the heightened kind of aspect was just yeah uh, ever present yeah yeah or played with more maybe not, not, yeah. not the whole thing but played with more because i i feel like those few moments are some of the better ones in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I, I, no, I totally agree. Can we talk about the macaroni and cheese? Man, that looks good. Even though it's black and white, I need some right now. Why is that? Why is that so visceral? I love when movies yeah. do that. Food in movies is the best. It's like even in, like, wait for the creme, cream. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need that croissant right now. But, yeah, yeah the mac and cheese, it reminded me of... I don't know. I mean, you know, black and white and some jazz in the background, Manhattan. Oh, but it, it was black and white, but I knew that was a blue box. I, like, I know. And you know, it's that neon orange yellow. Yeah. Like, dang oh. it, this looks good. Yeah. Like, or here's what I'll say about the mac and cheese. It's it's visceral. Yeah. And Pat, after that, there's very few visceral moments. Yes. I'm like, Ugh. like it remind me of um, probably because the house is so similar, but in Parasite when she's making the ramen, and there's all those yeah. like like top down shots of it being made and sizzling yeah. up the steak, and it feels like you can you can, I love it, but it it like sets you up as a of what maybe the style of this movie is going to be, but then it doesn't really it doesn't do that follow yeah. up on it. And I think that's a good point. And like he makes some drinks and smokes some cigarettes, but it. it it doesn't feel at all. I don't know. There's something about it. I don't know what it was. And the way he, the way he scarfed it. That's the thing. He turns into a werewolf sometimes, and I love those moments. But it feels like all those yeah. moments are pretty early on. And there's an inconsistency to it throughout the movie. Yeah. And she's like usually, even when she's kind of on the edge, she's still pretty level-headed. And that's why yeah. I didn't feel especially like, oh man, I feel so connected because I'm seeing vulnerability from yeah. either of these characters not really sure. I, maybe that's the crux i'm trying to land on is i don't feel vulnerability from them because everything they're saying is just a a, a weapon or a way to get the leg up on the other person um another thing i i just i lo- really liked um so marie has this long final monologue where she's sitting on the bed and it kind of moves from you know, continued accusations against Malcolm and and a recapitulation of what a lot of what they have fought about. 
and then it moves from that into her own insecurities about being his girlfriend and what she tries every day to do for him and and it's it's the resolution to the fight essentially so it's, and it, it is this kind of exhausting monologue and i think it's supposed to be i don't, I don't think that's not a knock on it um and then it's over and then like the the movie cuts to white and then this kind of montage of them silently getting ready for bed with the jazz music playing mm-hmm. and then they go to bed and they apologize and say they love each other and that little coda at the end to me really brought the end of the movie up it felt kind of very naturalistic mm-hmm. um and there was i i was i really was expecting the movie to just end at the end of marie's long monologue i thought okay she's gonna monologue here he's gonna apologize and then that's the movie but this little coda of them like okay we fought and now we're gonna go to bed that really i don't know really worked for me yeah and there's some of the better shots in this thing at the end yeah and yeah. there's some there's some I'm, there's some feelings in the editing yes. and the the sounds that yeah. the the middle of the movie could have used because yeah. i feel like i up until the growl like where the growl ends and that that ending monologue slash montage begins is a blur to me because oh to, i because totally so, yeah i mean i you can pick out certain things here yeah and there. but in terms of feeling and and showing me something and and not just that onslaught of of yes. of daggers being thrown yeah but, yeah i just wish i'd see more of that th- throughout and they both really play the weariness of the fight at the the kind of the end of that really well that there is like this exhaustion that they get to just play silently that that feels like absolutely right on and it's it's funny because i think the movie even dances around this at certain points they they fight and then there seems to be resolution and almost like this kind of where we're going to we're going to make up we're going to have sex and and that is always stopped he's like you wait right here please god yeah yes i mean there and that's very explicit you know in that point in the movie but he you know it picks up again later and you think it's going to happen and it doesn't that she monologues and the end of the movie they don't even have sex they don't even get to kind of uh physically and physical intimacy i missed out on the makeup sex each other (laughs) and it's funny because that's a trope you know makeup sex is like a weird sitcom trope that the movie teases and then actually denies its characters at the end of the movie and it just it feels better it's like yeah i mean it feels worse but you know it feels better and almost more meaningful to just go to bed and be okay Mm -hmm. and and then stand on the beach with each other in the morning yeah i think that i yeah it's such a bummer that the beginning and ending feels so great and i really loved it like i loved the end i loved the first 20 30 minutes um and that's why you know i think this was a movie worth watching yes those performances throughout uh you know there are still moments that work worth a watch and it's pretty funny sometimes like he is pretty funny in that movie yeah i think uh this was a good conversation cool that is this week's pod uh be sure to tune in next week for insert movie here we can i figure we could go back and add that Wait, M- wait, wait. W- we're what? calling it right now. We're going to watch Nomadland next week. Okay, what is that? This is like, it's going to win Best Picture. It's Frances McDormand as like, she, she's like with a group of people that basically live in trailer RVs and travel Oh, the yeah, I'm excited about yeah. that one. I'm ex- yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we are watching No Man's Land. Nomadland. <laughs> uh, so we are watching... Uh, <clears throat> We are watching Nomad's Land. No, 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 it's Nomad Land. (laughs) You got to keep this in. All right. Well, that was a great episode of uh, (laughs) Movies While I Sleep. Malcolm and Marie. Uh, Be sure to check out next week's episode where we will be watching Nomad Land. I hear, hear good things. I hear great things, in fact. <laughs> Mitchell, this is a good first episode. This is a good first we episode. We did it. I'm excited for this. Yeah. It's 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 a faux first episode because we did a trial run with the little things yeah. and it was god awful. Hopefully this wasn't. The movie was. Oh, Our conversation the was movie fine. Was. It was fine, you know, but yeah. this is a little bit better than fine. Yeah, right. People don't need to hear this. 
but maybe they do. If if they do want to hear this and more, make sure to follow us on Twitter at MWTSPod. And we are on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep, where we will be posting uh, our favorite shots of the movies we've talked about and maybe some extra little 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 pieces of slices of content. Um, and Twitter will probably just be uh, diving into the depths of film Twitter, which is a place we both don't want to go. But we do it for you, the audience. Well, we'll see you all next week. I hope you join us for Nomadland. Nomadland. Make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a review. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's what we need as we're just getting started. We thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye, y'all.